Welcome to your Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God, we ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious, it's fun, it's your Catholic Drive Time. Now here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Good morning. It is Wednesday, March the 18th, 2022. Praise be to Jesus. The New York Times says, uh, you know the Hunter Biden laptop thing? Yeah, it wasn't fake news. And Pope Francis wants all the bishops of the whole wide world to consecrate Russia and the Ukraine with him next week. Praise be to God. What world are we living in? That's amazing. That's good news. How incredible is that? Also, a majority of Americans do not want World War III. That's good. So, like, you know, we don't, you know. Want the no-fly zone enforced over the Ukraine because that might lead to World War III. We don't want that. We don't want a repeat of the escalation that took place in World War I. This is kind of what's reminding me of that. But uh, lots of the news today. It's good to be back in the studio. Adrian and I were away for the last three days. Poor Rudy here slogging it out by himself. Uh, Rudy, good morning to you. Well, the mic. Uh, turn the mic on. That might be step number one oh, to good radio. Of course, I got used to the mic always being on over there. So, good morning to you, Joe. I'm glad you're back, and Adrian, fantastic. Are you feeling any like shell shocked or like, like? I feel at peace now. You feel at peace. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's harder than it's, it looks, isn't it's it? It's very, it's very difficult. Uh, you did, you did like, you did the manly effort. You know, uh, hey, in thanks. the deep end of the pool, producing and trying to talk all at the same time. The old college try, and of <laughs> yeah. course, when Jesus left, everything went wrong. So. <laughs> <laughs> we can blame Jesus for it all. Could be he sabotaged. Like us. By the way, uh, he left these incredible, amazing. Uh, Pretty gnarly looking crowns of thorns here. I mean, these thorns, I think he said he got them from Mexico. They're yeah. like three inches long. They're Oof. huge. Uh, so absolutely monstrous crowns of thorns. I, I asked him to bring them in because I wanted to see them. But in person, that would be, that'd be rough. Yeah. Just so. imagine the sufferings of our blessed Lord Jesus. Yeah. Maybe if we get a third one, we should all wear them on Good Friday. Oh, man. Have him like somebody hit us in the head with a reed or something, kind Unde- of cram them undeserving. in. Undeserving. <laughs> Speaking of which, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos. Good morning to you, Adrian. Good morning. Speaking of uh, moving things around, uh, <laughs> everything is uh, in the in a different place. Everything. I'm like, okay, I'm figuring it out. I'm 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 oriented. I know what's going on now. But okay, <laughs> praise be to God. It's good to be back. And if I could, I'd ask everyone uh, to pray for. My grandfather, he uh, was struck by a giant umbrella, and that sounds like a joke, but uh, yeah, he was he was sitting at the mall, uh, waiting on my grandma, going into the store, and a uh, giant umbrella was taken by the wind and uh, knocked him off his chair, and he got injured, and so he had That's to horrible. rush to the ER. So uh, if you keep him in your prayers, I'd be very grateful. Yeah, praise be to God. We are going to be praying. Uh, I, speaking of which, I do want to thank uh, Beth and Patty today. Uh, Beth Norona and Patty uh, Genusaitis, thank you for, Patty's one of our longtime uh, CDT insiders as well, I've, a Plank member, as we used to say in the Marine Corps. You know, she was there in the very beginning. Um, but thank you both, Beth and Patty, for taking today to offer up your prayers, your sacrifices, and your sufferings in our 2022 Lenten campaign, offering up 
our uh, our intentions for the conversion of ardent and grave centers, heretics, people who profess openly, you know, heresy, which is confusing the lay faithful and leading the body of Christ, as some of the body of Christ astray. We're praying for their conversions, as well as blasphemers and peace in the world, and, and Beth and Patty have decided to take today and offer that up, so we're very grateful. And we're going to be praying the Golden Arrow Prayer along with you, Beth and Patty, here in just a moment. I also want to update you on some stories. In the in the 15th past, we're going to be talking about uh, the Pope's call. I'm going to read you the letter he sent to the USCCB asking for the bishops in America, but this has gone out across the world, wanting all the bishops to participate. Uh, that'll be covered in the uh, What's Concerning Us at 15 past this hour. But also, you might recall that we spoke with Jason Jones not all that long ago, was that last week, I think, uh, about his effort in the Vulnerable People Project to bring people out of Ukraine and to bring food and supplies. Well, one of his team was... Uh, uh, bombed, uh, shelled by Russian artillery, and uh, are in critical condition. I'm going to update you on that story coming up at 15 past, of course. And then at 35 past, uh, Mr. Julio Laredo, which sh- was supposed to be on Monday, but daylight savings time has just zapped us, and uh, so we've got him on today. We're going to be talking about Our Lady of Fatima and Russia, and uh, praise be to God, that's going to be a very interesting conversation, so stick around uh, to 35 past the hour, we'll cover that. So that and a lot more stories and news coming up your way, but let's begin with the Golden Arrow Prayer. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. May the most holy, most sacred, most adorable, most incomprehensible, and unutterable name of God be always praised, blessed, loved, adored, and glorified in heaven, on earth, and under the earth, by all the creatures of God, and by the sacred heart of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, in the most holy sacrament of the altar. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, and now you're breaking news with Rudy Carlos. Good morning. Thanks for tuning in to Catholic Drive Time. Today's Friday, March 18th, and these are your headlines. One American News reports U.S. weighs dropping Iran's IRGC from terrorism list. A source said that the U.S. is considering removing Iran's Revolutionary Guards from its foreign terrorist organization, Blacklist, in return for Iranian assurances about reigning in the elite force. The source said Washington had not decided what might be an acceptable commitment from Tehran in exchange for such a step, which would reverse former U.S. President Donald Trump's 2019 blacklisting of the group. And Life News reports Citigroup will pay for employees to travel out of state to kill their babies in abortions. Starting this year, Citigroup plans to pay its employees travel costs to get an abortion. This includes flight expenses, lodging, and other travel expenses. The plan appears to be targeting the bank's more than 8,500 employees in Texas, which has banned abortions on unborn babies with beating hearts since September. And Breitbart reports Josh Hawley, Biden's SCOTUS pick, has a pattern of letting child porn offenders off the hook. Senator Josh Hawley from Missouri called out President Joe Biden's nominee for United States Supreme Court, Kentanji Brown-Jackson, for having a pattern of letting child porn offenders off the hook for their appalling crimes. Holly cited United States versus Dowsand and many others as examples of her leniency towards the sentencing of child porn sex offenders by giving them the lowest possible sentence allowed by law. And the AP reports House votes to further restrict Russian trade after invasion. The House voted overwhelmingly to suspend normal trade relations with Russia and Belarus, preparing for President Joe Biden to enact higher tariffs on more products and further weaken the Russian economy in response to its military assault on Ukraine. The vote on Thursday sets the stage for making it more expensive to import certain steel, aluminum, and plywood items, among other goods. And those are your headline news this morning. God love you.
the saint of the day is Saint Anselm of Lucca. He was born in Mantua and was educated there in grammar and dialectic. Anselm was a nephew of Anselm of Lucca the Elder, who became Pope Alexander II in 1061, and who designated Anselm to succeed him in his former position as Bishop of Lucca, and sent him to Germany, advising him to take investiture from Emperor Henry IV. So Anselm went to Germany, but was loath to receive the insignia of of spiritual power from a temporal ruler and returned without investiture. Soon he felt such remorse that he resigned his bishopric and entered the Benedictine order at Padaloroni, a Cluniac monastery near Mantua. Gregory VII ordered him to return to Lucca, and he reluctantly obeyed but continued to lead the life of a monk. In the years 1077 to 79, he accepted the transfer of several castles from Countess Matilda in preparation for Henry's expected campaign, which was carried out in 1081 to 84. Meanwhile, he attempted to impose a stricter monastic discipline upon the canons of his cathedral. Most of the canons refused to submit to the new regulations. Anselm was expelled from Lucca around 1080 with the help of Emperor Henry and Gilbert, anti-Pope Clement III. After the defeat of the papal defender, the Countess Matilda of Tuscany at the Battle of Volta Mantovana, Anselm fled first to the shelter of Morania, an Episcopal stronghold, only a few miles up the Arno from Lucca. Accompanied by Bardo, a priest who later wrote his Vita, when retired to Canossa as spiritual guide to Countess Matilda, because through his prayers was obtained the rout of the enemies of Gregory VII, he is represented before an army in confusion. Anselm was well-versed in scripture and wrote some important works attacking lay investiture and defending Pope Gregory against anti-Pope Clement III and Emperor Henry IV. He spent his last years assembling a collection of ecclesiastical law, canons, and 13 books, which form the earliest of the collections of canons, the Collectio Canonium, supporting the Gregorian reforms, which afterwards were incorporated into the well-known Decretum of the, of the Juris Gratian. The Collectio Canorium uh, most notably rev- revived the Justinian's, Justinian laws, which set the basis for Roman law in the Middle Ages. Anselm died in Matua on March 18, 1086, and is regarded as the patron saint of that city. Anselm was canonized by Pope Victor III in 1087. Saint Anselm of Lucca, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from John chapter 15, verses 1 through 8. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch of mine that bears no fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already made clean by the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches." He who abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. If a man does not abide in me, he is cast forth as a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, 
Ask whatever you will, and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. This was the optional gospel today, and uh, I chose it for a number of reasons. I think it's always very, very good. It's one of my one of my favorite passages in the New in the New Testament, specifically in the Gospels, for a, a variety of reasons. One is the communion of saints. I, I love the sort of the, the one of the hidden layers or the under layers is is the communion of saints can be found in this passage. But uh, here's what St. Augustine would say, quoted uh, out of Hadock's commentary today. St. Augustine, speaking of Christ, says of him, speaks of himself as man when he compares himself to a vine, his disciples to the branches, and his father to the husbandman. He himself, as God, is also the husbandman. Without me, you can do nothing. That shall be meritorious of a reward in heaven. He goes on to say, these conditional expressions, if you remain in the vine, if you keep my commandments, give to, uh, give to understand that our perseverance and salvation are all are conditional to be fulfilled by us. Close quote, Hadock quoting St. Augustine there. And I think there's a real issue there, right? Um, too often we can get lazy and complacent, and we realize that God is not wanting his children to be lazy and complacent. We are his children, praise be to God. But do you want your kids to be lazy and complacent, lying around the house doing nothing? Like, no, get up, there's things to be done. You must be about the business of this family. You must be about the business of this family. Of course we should. It makes great sense. And that's why he says, if you abide, you're already made clean, but you still have to abide. You still have to keep His word. You still have to live. You have to walk the walk and talk the talk. You know, but there's something else here, too. Hadock's commentary, quoting St. Chrysostom, says, He here shows that the virtuous themselves stand in need of help of the husbandman. The virtuous themselves stand in need of the husbandman. Therefore, the Almighty sends to them tribulations and temptations that they may be cleansed and rendered firm like the vine, which the more it is pruned, the more vigorous are the roots. Close quote, St. Chrysostom. Let that sink in. How incredibly difficult, and I'm speaking for myself, I don't know about you, but I can tell you about me. How incredibly difficult is it for me to live in the moment, to see every moment from God's perspective. You don't ask whatever you want and it shall be given. He's not going to give you the things that are harmful to the virtuous, right? If you're virtuous, you've aligned your will to God and you want what God's God wants. But how hard is it for me, let alone for maybe you two, to accept all things as they as though it comes from God's hand, to be resigned to his holy will in everything, in good or bad, to accept those tribulations and to endure them heroically and virtuously. I have difficulty with that. I imagine you do too. Let's pray for that. We'll be right back. We're often told that so long as sexual activity is performed between consenting adults, there's nothing morally wrong with what's done. Is this a reasonable way of morally evaluating sexual behavior? I don't think so. And here's why. First, such reasoning justifies disturbing acts like that of Ormond Mivis, who butchered and ate a willing victim that responded to an advertisement placed on the internet. I don't think we want to say consensual cannibalism is okay. Second, the assertion arbitrarily picks consent as the only aspect of nature's design for sex as having any moral significance. If we must reverence nature's design for consensual sex, 
And why is it okay to not reverence nature's design for procreation? If it's okay to reject one, well then it's okay to reject the other. So rather than reverencing consensual sex, this argument undermines it. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. We're currently cruising at 39,000 feet. We'll turn that seatbelt sign off for you and let you move about the cabin. Looks like we're about two hours and ten minutes from landing. Plenty of time for you to study a section of the catechism. Wouldn't it be great if everyone read the Catechism of the Catholic Church? Why not start today? A friendly suggestion from Guadalupe Radio Network. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Coming up at 35 past the hour, Mr. Julio Laredo from TFP. I, I want to say he's based in Rome. It's going to be our guest. He was, he was scheduled to be on Monday. That didn't work out, so we're having him back today to talk about Our Lady of Fatima and Russia. He gave a great talk to the American TFP guys uh, I don't know, recently, and it was just really good. So we invited him on to talk about that. But I think it's especially important and given in light of the Pope's call. So we're going to be talking about that here in a moment. But I need to update you on a story. Uh, we, we had Jason Jones on last week, and just a, just a great guy. Really brilliant. We've had him on several times. He does so many good things. I mean, he's like uh, he's a man for all seasons, to be sure, right? So he's got this organization called the Vulnerable People Project, and he's been helping, you know, rescue people out of Afghanistan, bringing food and supplies. Not him personally, but he's brought the team together, which is one of his great gifts, Jason Jones. And uh, we are not sponsored by Jason Jones, so you know, I'm just singing his praises today because I'm, I'm, I'm proud of him and I'm very impressed by the work he does. Well, we had him on to talk about his work in the Ukraine. There I go again, the Ukraine. At any rate, uh, he has brought together uh, volunteers and they've bought buses and ambulances and they moved them into Ukraine and they're trying to bring people out, trying to bring food and supplies to people. Well, here's a story that uh, broke, I think it was, might have been Tuesday or Wednesday as Adrian and I were traveling. This is out of the Catholic News Agency. The headline goes, three hurt when Catholic Charities van struck by artillery fire in Ukraine. Three aid workers for a Catholic charity operating in Ukraine were hurt last week when the van they were riding in was hit by artillery fire. The leader of the humanitarian group said Jason Jones, founder of the U.S.-based Vulnerable People Project, told CNA Wednesday that three Ukrainian men sustained head injuries. He said one of the aid workers remains hospitalized in critical condition. The other two were treated at the hospital and released. After leaving the hospital, the two men who were less seriously hurt, said that they were ready to rejoin the humanitarian effort. Um, Irina, a U.S.-based Ukrainian comedian who is leading VPP's Hope for Ukraine campaign, told CNA, uh, an article goes on to say, a photo of the aftermath of the incident on March 10th in northwest Ukraine shows the rear end of the white van crumpled by the explosion one of the vehicle's side doors blown off. What appears to be oranges are spilled across the roadway. Jones said he was, quote, absolutely sure, close quote, the artillery shells were fired by Russian forces. He did not know if the van was intended target or not. 
He says, quote, Russia doesn't have to intend to hit civilians in order to hit civilians. Close quote. Jones said, going on to say, quote, once you choose to invade a country, you're choosing that civilians will die. Unfortunately, at the very least, close quote. The men were delivering food and supplies uh, very close to the Russian lines to Ukrainians trapped by the the fighting, Jones said, adding that the workers plan to evacuate a group of children on the return trip. The Vulnerable People Project was Jones described as a Catholic apostolate uh, animated by Catholic social teaching has transported thousands of people away from areas where the fighting is intense to the relative safety of the Western Ukraine across the Polish border, Jones said. The humanitarian organization also remains active in Afghanistan, where it has been helping to evacuate Christians and other minorities trying to escape the Taliban. It, it's, let's pray for this organization and for his team that are putting themselves in harm's way to do such incredible things. And we've seen a lot of that recently. A lot of people have been doing amazing things, bringing people out, rescuing orphanages and, and everything else. And it, it really is inspiring to see that. And uh, let's pray for God's provision, our Lady's protection over Jason, the Vulnerable People Project, and all of his incredible volunteers. So, of course, uh, the news about the consecration to Russia, it was big news while... Adrian and I were away. I know, Rudy, you covered some of this yesterday in your commentary. Yeah, that's right. We, we talked about the uh, – well, it was the day before. But, uh, yeah, we talked about this amazing, huge news, bombshell bombshell news coming out of the Vatican. And immediately everybody started debating whether or not <laughs> – I had to, I, 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 I expressed it on Facebook and I said, I'm, I'm glad His Holiness is doing this. I said, this is amazing. Praise be to God. Mm-hmm. I simply hope he will follow the directives of Our Lady Fatima. And immediately uh, a priest – commented and saying, it's already, it's already been done. There's okay. nothing to see here. Move along, move along. And I, I know he means well. I, I, don't, yeah. I don't fault him for right. anything, but I'm like, Father, please forgive me. But I, I, I am, I just, I am not, uh, I don't believe that that's the case. I mm-hmm. mean, I don't, uh, I'm not trying to cast aspersions, but I, I think the evidence is too overwhelming that if it was the case, would we be seeing the actual spread of errors across the world? Would we see what we see today? I, possible, I, I mean, concupiscence is what it is. Uh, and there will always be sin in the world. But at the same time, we didn't follow the direct, very clear instructions yes, of the Queen of Heaven and Earth. That's true. And we didn't really have enough time to get into all of the different evidence that points to that. Uh, there's conflicting evidence between Sister Lucia saying it was accepted and then later saying it wasn't. And Yeah. Then, uh, uh, Father Gabriel Amorth uh, Gabriel suggested Amorth. that uh, Pope uh, John Paul II was talked out of it at the last moment. Mm-hmm. And so he switched to the world versus... Russia out of political pressure. So, you know, I I did say this as well, and I will repeat this live right now. Uh, At the end of the day, whether or not it did happen or doesn't didn't happen or will happen next or won't happen next is above my pay grade. Mm -hmm. Uh, Neither heaven nor nor the pope nor anybody on planet Earth. It needs my opinion on the matter, necessarily (laughs) speaking. Right. Like, because it doesn't matter. Like what I think about it doesn't matter. So at the end of the day, living in a state of grace, you know, my personal vocation is really what uh, I need to focus on. However, I'm glad with this new news. And let me read to you this uh, this letter that was sent by the Apostolic Nuncio to the U.S., and this was sent everywhere else around the world as well. But this is the one to the U.S. This was addressed to uh, Archbishop Jose Gomez, which is the president of the USCCB, and um, it says, Your Excellency, in the context of the tragic events unfolding in Ukraine, the Holy Father, Pope Francis, will lead an act of consecration of Russia and Ukraine to the Immaculate Heart of Mary on the Feast of the Annunciation, March the 25th, next 
The Holy Father intends to invite each bishop or equivalent in law together with his priest to join in this act of consecration, if possible, at an hour corresponding to 5 p.m. Rome time. In the coming days, the Holy Father will address a letter of invitation to the bishops enclosing the text of the prayer of consecration in the various languages. I write now asking you to inform the members of the USCCB and through them the priests of the various dioceses and eparchies of the country about the Holy Father's invitation. The same information will be shared with the federal authorities in Washington, D.C. and the diplomatic corps of this capital. An invitation is being extended to the members of the same corps to attend a mass offered by Cardinal Wilson Gregory, Archbishop of Washington, at the Basilica of the National Shrine of the Immaculate Conception at 12 noon on Friday, March the 25th next. Grateful for your collaboration, I assure you of my good wishes and remain yours, uh, Christophe Pierre Apostolic Nuncio. This is the first time that I'm aware of, that the Pope has called for all bishops to join him in the consecration. Yeah, I think so. I don't, I don't recall that happening in the past. So that'd be interesting. I, I, you know, one thing that I talked about with Jordan is how, uh, maybe we're off air at that point, but we were talking about how at that moment in history, there weren't as many bishops, you know, when Our Lady appeared. Now there's a ton. So I wonder how, you know, the, it'd be uh, interesting how, to know how, do it. how many there were. Right. It, it's interesting though because uh, at first, you know, whenever it was first announced, I was I was like, oh well, this is great. Praise be to God that he's going to consecrate Russia and the Ukraine. It's going to be beneficial no matter what. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the problem was, you know, he was only going to do it with one other bishop, the bishop that was getting sent to the Fatima, fact, cardinal, Fatima. And the then with this announcement, this is a uh, better news. But the problem is that it's he's just inviting all the bishops, and therefore it's likely that most bishops probably won't, or even some bishops won't. And the problem was Our Lady asked for all the bishops, and people say, well, how can you possibly get all the bishops in the world to all agree to do this? And I, it's a simple answer, but, you know, it is a a very uh, hot-button uh, answer because what all the Holy Father would have to do is say – you know, everybody on the pain, all bishops, by pain of um, a mortal sin, by pain of obedience, uh, on pain of excommunication, you must consecrate uh, Russia to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. And if they fail to do so, well, by the very act of being disobedient, they lose the office, and therefore all the bishops consecrated Russia. Uh, so it's a very simple thing that they could I, do. Of course, that'd cause I, I chaos think it's, if it, the people disobeyed. We'd have to interpret her words a little more to get to that level, I would argue, because... She, I could see a case where simply his intention to ask every bishop to join him, you know, because he is Peter, it would be enough to fulfill that. I don't know. We'd have to get to an interpretation to say, hmm, she meant that he would have to excommunicate them all. And then, and if, if there was one bishop who refused to do it, or if one bishop overslept that day and didn't do it, or one bishop, you know, then it wouldn't count. I, I don't know. I wouldn't, I don't think I personally fall into that camp. The other issue that has come up a lot too is what about Ukraine? He's adding Ukraine. I'm not at all bothered by that. Ukraine was a part of the Soviet part Union. And yeah. so, and, and if he says the word Russia, I'd be completely ecstatic. You know what I mean? Like, right. and, and then if he says Ukraine a few seconds later, I'm not bugged by that in any way, shape, or form. I don't know how you felt about that. No, I don't. I don't. I don't particularly find that as a, a stumbling block for me personally. Uh, you know, as you as you mentioned, Ukraine was part of Russia at one point, so I don't. I don't see that as a problem. Yeah, yeah I'm not sure. I was. Uh, we were talking about um, about this with. I was hanging out with the TFP. 
earlier, like a few months ago before this was announced, or I guess a few weeks ago before this was announced, and we were talking, well, what would happen if they consecrated Russia and Ukraine? Would Was Ukraine part of Russia in 1917 when Our Lady asked for this? Um, and if it's Ukraine, well, it, half of Ukraine belonged to Russia, the other half belonged to the Austrian-Hungarian Empire. Uh, right. So what does that mean exactly? So, I mean, we it's don't hard know. To know I mean, right? It's going to be. Yeah. Well, and I guess <laughs> the end of the day, what, what we'll know is uh, by the fruits, we shall know them. Right. So yes. if, if Russia is converted, uh, then we know that it was valid. Right. That's the other question, though. Already people in this hot debate that's raging on social media, because, you know, that's what we do as Catholics is uh, spend our time debating on social media. Uh, what happens if the next day Russia is not converted? I mean, do we have an expectation that it will be immediate and precise uh, or will it, will it take time? I think of Our Lady of Guadalupe. Uh, the millions that came into the church from paganism did not happen overnight. That took years. That's true, but, you know, I, it, well, that's an interesting point to bring up because we we do have a, a sort of perspective on time that may be very different from, from, yeah. from, from God, which is obviously yeah. outside of time. It is. So we may have to wait and see. But I have hope, and that's I think that's I think the one great. thing we have to take away is we have yeah. to have hope uh, in in our, our our Holy Father and all of the bishops participating in this and and seeing that maybe there will be some good fruit from this. Obviously, like a consecration, there's always going to be some good. Right? Fruit. Where's the downside? Like, there's no downside to e- it at all. E- even if he doesn't do it precisely to the formula which we would want him to do. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, let's just say let's just say for the sake of the of the argument, JP two did do it correctly. Mm-hmm. I still would want him to follow the formula. Right. You know what I mean? Like I don't. I just don't see any downside whatsoever to just doing it. Praise be to God. Let us let us pray and hope for the graces that will flow from from the, from the good intention and goodwill. And then if he follows the formula precisely, I mean, it would be amazing to me in, in every uh, shape and form of it. Um, so let's pray for a great outcome. Hopefully, you're joining us in the novena in preparation for His Holiness's Consecration Act. But coming up after this very short break, we do have more breaking news and stories with Rudy Carlos. And then Mr. Julio Laredo from uh, TFP is going to be on to talk about Our Lady Fatima and Russia. Fascinating conversations headed your way. So please do us a favor and uh, not only stick around after this very short break, but share us with a friend. We'd be very grateful to you. Have a drive time. We'll be right back. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever noticed what happens when you try to keep up with the current fashions? You go nuts. When we are obsessed with keeping up with the times, we become slaves. Fashions are never settled. To chase something that is always changing is simply futile. It's not freedom, it's insanity. G.K. Chesterton says... The Catholic Church is the only thing that saves a man from the degrading slavery of being a child of his age. Christianity is always out of fashion because it's always sane, and fashions are always insane. The Catholic Church never has to worry about being behind the times because it is beyond the times. Want more than a minute? Visit our website, chesterton.org.
Looking for a Catholic university where the greatest works of Western and Catholic tradition are the foundation for learning, all in an environment that is faithful to the magisterium? Recommended by the Cardinal Newman Society, the University of Dallas offers an exceptional liberal arts education, preserving the wisdom of the past while preparing students for the world-changing futures. Academically excellent, always faithful. Apply today at udallas.edu. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. And now, more headlines. The Washington Examiner reports UN votes to establish ties with Taliban government in Afghanistan. The council approved a resolution. However, that does not however, that does not use the word Taliban, and it details a new one-year mandate for the UN political mission in Afghanistan. And the Taliban threw the excuse me, the Taliban overthrew the Afghan government in the middle of August at a time when the United States was only weeks away from departing for the first time in 20 years. And the Daily Caller reports, police say someone stole 400 bulletproof vests destined for Ukraine. Police determined that someone had forcibly entered the building. When responding to the call, the vests were reportedly stored in the hallway of the building. The stolen vests were said to have been donated by the Suffolk County Sheriff's Office in New York though a representative for the office was unable to confirm this. And The Hill reports mortgage rates climb back above 4%. The 30-year fixed mortgage rate in the U.S. exceeded 4% on Thursday for the first time since May 2019. The 30-year rate, the most popular loan package for home buyers, has slowly climbed since hitting a low of 2.77% in August, reaching 4.16% on Thursday. And LifeSite News reports Bishop Schneider asked the world's bishops to unite with Pope in consecration of Russia on March 25th in the face of the unprecedented spiritual crisis that the church and state are currently undergoing. The common collegial act of consecration to the Immaculate Heart made by the Pope in union with the world's bishops will be a powerful instrument for divine providence to pour out these special graces which the church and the world so urgently need, Bishop Schneider said. And those are your headline news this morning. God love you. Praise be to God in all things. Thank you, Rudy, for keeping us up to date. Joining us right now via Zoom chat and from Rome, uh, praise be to Jesus, is Mr. Julio Laredo from TFP, Tradition, Family, and Property. Good morning to you, sir. Good morning to you, Joe. Good morning to everybody. It's good to be. Uh, we're glad to have you here. We're very excited that you're able to join us today. You gave a great talk recently to the American TFP Student Action on Russia and Fatima, I was really uh, just, uh, I enjoyed that talk quite a bit. Maybe Adrian can share it in our chat today. Let's talk about Russia. You know, over the last three days, we, Adrian and I were on retreat, and the priest there, a longtime friend of mine, used to be a missionary in Russia and in Ukraine. And I was asking about his experiences there, uh, specifically about the Russian people, how religious and they are, because part of the argument goes Vladimir Putin is the great crusader to to, to save uh, the culture against the debauchery of the West. And uh, and I and you address this in your talk. Can we start with that? Tell us what is the Russian culture like today? Well, um, I know Russia very well. I've been there many times. Um, we even have an office as TFP. We have an office in Moscow right now. It's sort of uh, uh, not closed down, but practically you can understand that. Um, but anyway, um, the Russian the, the Russian people uh, on one side they like authority. Uh, they've liked it since the times of the Tsars. So it's no secret and no surprise that they would like a, a strong leader like uh, uh, Vladimir Putin. 
so when we attack him as being a dictator, as, as being authoritarian, that's honey mm. for, the, for the average Russian. Now, is the moral ambience in Russia better or worse than other parts of the world? Um, it's, it's worse than many parts of the world. I can tell you, I can tell you that. For example, the frequency to church service is much lower than the frequency to church service in Poland, in Hungary, wow. Slovakia, uh, Baltic countries, well, Baltic countries, no, excuse me, uh, 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 and so. Then it has the highest rate of ab abortion in the world. It's diminishing, Ooh. but abortion is part of the mentality of the Russian people, so embedded it is in their, in their, in their culture. You would say, well, they oppose homosexuality. Yes and no. Yes, in the sense that uh, uh, homosexual publicity, propaganda for minors is outlawed. Now, homosexuality as such is not outlawed. You can find homosexual bars and this night, uh, mm -hmm. sinful places very, very openly. Um, the, um, how do you call it in the United States, surrogate motherhood is, is, um, is uh, uh, is legal oh, wow. and free in Russia. There is a law in the Duma, in, the, in Congress, trying to restrict uh, this surrogate motherhood to just residents in Russia. But you see, it's not a moral problem. It's a, uh, it's a populational problem. Mm. Um, in morality, in the, in the straight, let's say, way, in the natural way, is rampant. Uh, prostitution is illegal, but it's absolutely public and rampant. Uh, so, and uh, spirituality, the Russian spirituality is very, uh, is very peculiar. And this we have to understand because of the union be between church and state, mm. Russians see the church as the mystic aspect of the state and the state as the political aspect of the church. So those ceremonies that that uh, gather thousands of people are mostly patriotic ceremonies. For example, the yearly procession in uh, in honor of Saint Alexander Nevsky, the one who defeated the Germans in 14, I don't know what, and therefore founded modern Russia. It's huge. Now go to to church uh, uh, just for just to pray. They're just a handful of babushkas praying <laughs> in front of the icons and lighting the uh, yeah. those 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 thin candles that they use. So, Sounds like a lot of churches in in America too. Just all the the moms and the ladies uh, going to mass. Where are all the men? Exactly. I just I just read in these days because we are we're speaking a, a lot about Russia. I read the numbers. I don't remember them them uh, uh, offhand, but. The frequency to, to, to church in Russia is comparable to the frequency to church in any European country. Wow. It's not more, no less. So uh, to present Russia as a paladin, a paradigm of moral or, or moral values mm. is, to say the least, uh, misleading. Just yesterday or the day before, uh, two days ago, there was a very interesting interview by this Russian philosopher, very influential in the, in the Putin uh, government, Alexander Dugin, mm -hmm. who, by the way, he's a Gnostic, he's very close to the occultist Julius uh, Evola, etc., etc., is a person not to reckon with. But 
he, he says, we are in the same path of decadence as the West. We are one step behind because paradoxically, communism preserved all the countries in the East from a certain moral de decadence that is rampant in our West. But that means that they are they're catching up. I, I knew Poland just coming out of communism and it was paradise as mm. from the moral point of view. Now it's going down the drain like any other country. Religious practice is still much higher than average European country, but it's going down. Well, Dugin, who has all the interest in promoting Russia and boasting about the morality in Russia, two days ago, he said, we are also going on the downslope. The only thing is that we are one step behind. So we have to take this very, very carefully. We're talking with Mr. Julio Laredo. He is with the uh, uh, Tradition Family and Property. Talking about uh, Our Lady of Fatima and Russia. We have about three minutes to break, Mr. Laredo. So let's think about... Uh, I want after the break. I want to get into the the Pope's consecration. I want to ask you about that. But before we do that, you know, Our Lady Fatima, she asked for this, the consecration of Russia, and uh, and she wanted it done with all the bishops in union. Again, we'll talk more about that after the break. But I think what you just laid out it has to lay out an argument that the consecration could not have happened, or else would we be seeing this? That's that's a uh, post hoc argument, which is true. If you assume that a cause is valid, you can judge it by its effects. If there are no effects, you at least have to raise the suspicion that the cause is not valid. And that's what we're seeing. There's no conversion whatsoever. And, uh, not okay, to mention the anti-Catholic sentiment in Russia still to this day. Oh, that I can speak a lot about that, but that's rampant. The Catholic Church is persecuted in Russia today. And that's one of the things that would happen if Russia takes over Ukraine. Mm. Well, you know, it's interesting because we talk about Ukraine. I, I'm not a big fan of the Ukrainian government today. I, I, I'm very disturbed by a lot of the the biolabs, you know, that came out. It's like uh, the knee-deep relationship between certain political actors in our country and in the West and the Ukrainian government. I just I feel for the people of Ukraine because they feel I feel like they're in many ways they're caught like a like in the vice in some ways. So it's hard to know who to trust and what to believe. But so much of the debate that goes on in our in, uh, on social media about these topics, it's black or white, and there's no gray zone. What would you say to that? The thing is this. I ask you straight, straightforward. Does Joe Biden represent the U.S.? Unfortunately, yes. Because he was elected. But does he represent the real American spirit? No. He represents, in a certain sense, an anti-America. Yeah, but this is one of my complaints uh, as, a, as an American citizen, as a voter, as a veteran. Uh, I don't get to vote what the CIA does. I don't get to vote what the State Department does. No matter what I vote or how I vote or any of the voters vote, the CIA and the State Department continue to do whatever they're going to do, and the American people get no say in that. Exactly. Well, that is also in the Ukraine. So we have to go over that and see them what the Amer what the Ukrainian church wants, what the uh, Ukrainian people want. Yeah. And hold that thought. Sorry, Mr. Laredo. We're up at our break. Our breaks right now. So we're going to go to a quick break. We're going to come right back and continue our conversation with Mr. Julio Laredo from Tradition Family Property. He gave a great talk on this subject. But after the break, let's talk about the Pope and the consecration of Russia, what that means and its impact. It's all coming up next. Don't go anywhere. 
Many Christians are familiar with the story where the Pharisees bring a woman caught in adultery to Jesus and try to test him for charges against the law of Moses. Jesus had been showing all sorts of mercy that was unusual to them, eating with sinners and tax collectors, driving demons out of Gentiles, and even curing people on the Sabbath. They thought they could trap him, but Jesus bent down and began to write on the ground. We can assume he was writing out their sins. He then said, Let the one among you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. And in response, they went away one by one. Jesus then said, Has no one condemned you? Then neither do I condemn you. But Jesus continues, Go and sin no more. It's fine for us to meet people where they are at with mercy, but we can't just leave them there. We must help them come to a place free of sin in their lives. This is Matt Maloney from KnowTheFaith.net. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Mr. Julio Laredo is our guest, American, or he's with, he's in Rome, he's with the Tradition Family and Property He gave a great talk recently, we've linked to it on all of our social feeds, Did Russia Really Convert? Really good, I, I really encourage you to listen to that talk or watch it. And if you aren't listening or watching online, you can't see the link, contact us through our website, grnonline.com forward slash cdt, and we will send you that link for sure, praise be to Jesus. Mr. Laredo, welcome back to the show. A very complicated very issue, to be sure. And, uh, you know, one of the things I think about when it comes to our Fatima and uh, her, the eras of Russia spreading across the world was, well, communism did spread. It spread to China, uh, which still exists today and is, and is in the process of a genocide of its people today, let alone the lies. And, and Putin has recently asked China to help, you know, with material assistance and more. And I was watching some commentary of, of some ex-pats uh, who had lived in China for many, many years, and they were saying uh, China is right now running the propaganda machine for Vladimir Putin and the Ukraine invasion. So they are assisting him right now with that. But we saw communism spread into Latin America. We're seeing it. it it's we're seeing its uh, you know its temperature. I would say here in the United States, there is a great support now, openly and publicly, for socialism in our country, and and it's it's kind of a frightening thing. But we do see the errors. Of Russia have spread across the world. What would you say to that? Oh, absolutely, yes. I mean, communism is not dead. Uh, it's alive and, and well, unfortunately. Take, for example, my country, in Peruvian. Um, the last the elections were won by the communist uh, candidate. Last uh, Sunday, the Colombian elections were, were won by a, a Marxist, Petro. So we see uh, real, real-life communists um, who follow uh, who follow Cuba, who follow North North Korea, who follow China, etc., alive and well and governing Latin American countries. Not to speak of all those other other countries that you mentioned. So, unfortunately, communism is alive and well. 
this communism hasn't been totally rejected in Russia, in the Russian Federation. Putin himself has said several times that he sympathizes with socialism and communism. It's true. It's curious that he makes this uh, distinction, but he says it uh, uh, verbatim like this. He also said that he still has his membership card of the uh, Soviet Communist yes. Party. Yeah. And he, he considers the uh, Stalinist period a, a time of glory mm -hmm. for uh, Russia. So the errors of Russia, Soviet communism, are still very well alive in the Russian Federation today. Perhaps not in the name, perhaps not in the full ideology, but in the centralization of power and especially in the methods. But then there's another point. Already in the 1920s, the communists themselves began to pre prepare the next step, post-communism. We have the Frankfurt School. We have uh, Antonio Gramsci here in Italy. Uh, they began to prepare the, the next step of the revolutionary process. For take, for example, the so-called sexual revolution. It was launched in 1936 by Wilhelm Reich, who comes from the Frankfurt School. He was a Marxist. And he launched the sexual revolution, and the book had a subtitle that was censored in the U.S. Hmm. See, for the socialist restructuring of man. Hmm. That is, sexual liberties, which we saw explode in the 1960s, they were intended as an element of a revolutionary process, as Wilhelm Reich said, for the socialist restructuring of man. Well... So the whole idea of the cultural revolution, the whole idea of uh, the new proletariat, homosexuals as proletarians, feminists as proletarians, ethnic minorities as proletarians, et cetera, et cetera. All that was, was perfectly planned already since the 1920s by the communists themselves. So what we're seeing today is, as I said, a, a survival of old-fashioned communism in so many countries, and it's uh, regaining power in Latin America. And we also see this post-communism, which is one and the same with, with communism, only that much more advanced, which is what we are witnessing here in the West with the cultural moral revolution. So unfortunately, the errors of Russia are still there. That's fascinating, Mr. Loretto. You know, it's it's great to be able to look at all of the history that has happened so far from a from very high perspective, and we tend to forget that uh, that there are many still many seeds that are yet to to sprout. But I'm wondering, you know, it took a long time for for all of those errors to spread. How long do you anticipate the good fruits? If let's say, for example, this. This consecration is the legitimate consecration, and it happens in in the express way that Our Lady asked for. How long do you think uh, there would be results from this, or do you think it would be something instantaneous? This is something that well, we're things, debating here. Things can happen very quickly and very deeply. I remember once in 1980s, we were walking in Rome. Not not, and I say we TFP members. I mm -hmm. was not in that in that in that group. And they were showing around uh, this conservative Catholic leader who died some years ago, Paul Weirich. We all know uh, his name very well. And they were looking at the 40 Imperiali, at the ruins of the Roman Empire. Mm. The only thing that is left standing are the churches that were built on top of the Roman ruins. And they told me, uh, Paul Weirich, contemplating that, actually began to cry. 
And he said, yes, they were a great empire, the Roman Empire. Who would think that the great Roman Empire that intended to last for a thousand years would end up in ruins? And the only thing that would have left uh, standing is the church. I mean, civilizations can come and go, and they can come and go very quickly. There's a, there's a Latin saying, mozio in ultimo velociter, or velocior, I don't remember exactly the conjugation. Anyway, the motion the, at, at the end is faster. Hmm. Um, the more we go toward the end, the faster things go. So things can change very deeply and very and very clearly. Now, does a consecration automatically, as uh, they say in theology, ex opera operato, uh, ipso facto, um, will produce this whole com um, conversion? I don't think so, but it's a very, 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 indeed essential analysis um, elements of this conversion. Because what Our Lady in Fatima asked was for a total and deep conversion of modern man, rejecting all the errors that have brought us to where we are now in all the fields, because if we leave one single error floating around somewhere, hmm. we will fall back in the, into the same situation. Now, in this huge conversion, which we can see in the third part of the secret of Fatima, uh, which is a symbolic uh, vision on this conversion, um, the consecration of Russia is a very important, indeed essential element. Uh, Mr. Laredo, well, so what is your analysis of the situation that happened uh, when Pope Francis came out and said he's going to be consecrating Russia, and then yesterday coming out and saying that he's inviting all the bishops to join in with him in consecrating Russia and Ukraine? Uh, what's your analysis of the situation of the consecration? Well, as for, the, as for the bishops, there was no mention of the bishops in the uh, first communique the Vatican uh, published uh, two days ago, a couple of days ago, um, Wednesday afternoon. Um, that was, I think, an, a spontaneous movement from uh, uh, bishops' conferences who are now joining in the effort. But originally, there was no mention of the, of the bishops. Now... There had already been, and this is the uh, direct uh, cause, the immediate cause of this action, there had already been a re request from the Ukrainian bishops, both uh, Catholic uh, Byzantine and Roman Catholic in Ukraine. And there had been a re request also from the Russian bishops, you know, there are four Russian bishops, or four bishops in Russia, for diocese, and they had asked for that. Now, it came as a surprise, as a surprise for everybody, but a surprise that was the consequence, I don't know if I'm using the expression well, as well uh, wave, you know, this type of wave that grows under the surface and grows and grows and grows, but you don't see it. All of a sudden it sort of bursts out of the surface and it's a huge wave and people can be shocked or surprised by this huge wave, but, they don't perceive that it, it had been uh, growing under the surface. I think that deep in modern, man, in modern man's uh, head, Fatima is at the center. Whenever there is some situation which brings, brings back 
the idea of a possible uh, chastisement of some world war or, or something, immediately the, the souls and the minds turn to Fatima. So there was a huge swell wave um, growing under the surface. At a certain po point, Pope, uh, Pope Francis uh, thought that it would be uh, better to uh, ride this wave and proclaim the consecration. Now, um, he will do the consecration within another ceremony, which is the penitential ceremonies of this Friday. It's Lent Friday, and there are penitential ceremonies, which basically means uh, confessions in the Vatican. We would have liked, as uh, Fatima uh, devotes, we would have liked a solemn ceremony in the Vatican. Now, the second point is that he's um, consecrating Ukraine and Russia, sort of asking for peace. We all want peace. But more than one uh, analyst has pointed out this, that by consecrating both countries, he's putting the emphasis more on the peace than on the actual conversion of Russia. And then all his relationship with the Patriarchate of Moscow, with, with Kirill, the, uh, the, um, the meeting he had with Kirill uh, in, uh, in Cuba, in Havana, etc., et, et raised some questions, some problems. We'll have to leave it there. I'm sorry, Mr. Laredo, but we are out of time. Uh, the, we've come to the end, but to God love you, Mr. Laredo. Thank you for your time today. We are linking to your talk. We encourage everybody to check it out. Uh, Did Russia convert? But great commentary and input. Uh, God bless you. God love you. Have a great day. All right, that's going to do much it. And God bless you. That is going to do it for hour number one of Catholic Drive Time. Thank you for joining us this week, and uh, hats off to Rudy Carlos for manning the fort while we were away. But join us in the next hour if you can. God love Thank you. Thank you for joining us on your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. Hey, Donnie, who were the first two people God created? Adam and Eve. There you go. And what did we inherit from them? Original sin. As parents, we're the primary educators of our Catholic faith to our children. And if you don't know your Catholic faith as well as you should, that's okay. Just tune in daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network by logging online to grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Listen, learn, love, and pass it on. Peace has long been a Benedictine motto. One Minute Monk, Abbot Placid Solari of Belmont Abbey. In the rule of St. Benedict, the saint challenges those who live in monastic community to truly seek God and find peace. We all strive for peace, the profound sense of confidence and tranquility which flows from resting in God's love and trusting in God's providential care. In our daily lives, we can create peace by simplifying life and removing sources of strife, such as the pursuit of power or possessions. Finally, 
perfect peace goes hand in hand with perfect charity. When you have peace, you will have charity. For your free copy of The Rule of St. Benedict, visit OneMinuteMonk.com. O-N-E-MinuteMonk.com. In short, rest in God's love, trust in God's care, and love others as God loves them. Then you will find true peace. Your Odyssey begins at the University of Dallas, the premier Catholic liberal arts university in Texas. With campuses in Irving and Italy, UD's rigorous core curriculum sets it apart. An education rooted in the great works of Catholic and Western tradition. An education that ennobles and enables students in their pursuit of wisdom, truth, and virtue. Undergraduate, graduate, and certificate programs available. Start your college odyssey at the University of Dallas today. Go to udallas.edu to learn more. Welcome to your Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God, we ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious, it's fun, it's your Catholic Drive Time. Now here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean, so good to be on with you. Praise be to God. It is Wednesday, March the 18th, 2022. And God is so very good. It's good to be back in the studio. We were out for the last three days, as you know. Praise Jesus. And uh, today we get to give out prizes. And we're very excited about that. We have, th- In fact, I have, I've got new things to give away. I'm holding in my hand some goodies that Jesus Robles, <laughs> while he was in studio with you, Rudy. Good morning to you. Good morning, Joe. You know, uh, I get asked quite frequently about this uh, bracelet on my wrist. You know, huh. here it's a crucified Lord. It's uh, I've been caught in in elevators and all kinds of different places, and and people, I love your wristband. Well, Mr. Jesus Robles has given us some to give away to one of you, and that's going to come up at fifteen past the hour. So, uh, how how did the game show go, by the way? Uh, I gotta admit, the last the last game show that we did was a little tough. You know, it works better when there's more participants in there, but hard, yeah. hard to do that when, when you're just, solo running yeah. three computers while trying to talk and carry <laughs> interesting conversation. And, and then the house one, is on fire. And then the house and, is on fire. Uh, <laughs> I would say, uh, I can't believe you didn't nail it. I mean, it's just, golly gee whiz, Rudy. The first day, it was going so well, and I was, oh, this is you, get, you got confident. That's uh, what it was. You were like, oh, I got this. I got I'm, I'm so good at this. And then I'm our speculating, like, though, that you came in here secretly mm, and sabotaged me. From Midland. From Probably. the Midland. Were you really in the Midland? I'm just going to add the definite article to every location <laughs> from now on. The Midland. The, the Texas. The Texas, yeah. <laughs> the studio. Anyway, speaking of which, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and the twos. Good morning to you, Adrian. Howdy, howdy. Praise be to God. It's good to be here. Is it? It is. Praise be to God. In spite of it all. It's good to be back uh, from uh, our little trip. And uh, if you would, uh, please pray for my grandpa. I asked in the first hour, and I'm going to ask in the second hour for prayers because, uh, yeah, he was struck by a giant flying umbrella. Uh, yeah, not typical thing that you hear from people. He's struck by a giant flying umbrella. But, no, yeah, one of those giant umbrellas you see on the on those porches uh, got picked up by the wind and knocked him down, and he got rushed to the emergency room. So if you'd say a prayer for him, Yikes. I'd be very grateful. Yikes. Well, we will be praying for him, uh, absolutely. Hopefully he'll get better very soon. Uh, we Speaking of prayers, again, I want to thank uh, Beth and Patty for taking today 
they picked today on the Lenten fasting campaign that we are uh, running this Lent. And uh, Beth Nerona and uh, Patty Janusaitis has said, I want to fast, pray, and do penance today for our intentions, for the conversion of ardent grave sinners, blasphemers, heretics, praying for peace in the world, and they're offering up their day. So thank you for that. We're very grateful to you. If you would like to join us, you can still pick a day. Every day is covered, but we're doubling and tripling up. You can simply do that by going to our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. That's grnonline.com forward slash CDT. By the way, if you are on our email list, which I'm pretty sure the email did hit, but I think it hit late. I think I messed up the time that it was supposed to go out, and it went out late last night, so it should be in your email inbox this morning. Make sure to open that up, because I, I shared with you a documentary film about the Carmelite nuns that we're going to be discussing on Monday, so you should check out that uh, documentary film over the weekend. That would be pretty cool, and then on Monday, we intend to have a great conversation about the Fairfield nuns, so that's coming up next week. I also am very excited this weekend, because two of my children will be confirmed in the faith, praise be to God. And uh, so it's going to be a very busy weekend. We, of course, have the feast day of St. Joseph and the confirmation. Cardinal Zanardo is coming. We're very excited about that. So it's going to be a busy place for, I think, a lot of families this weekend who are, who are having their teenagers. Uh, are you yawning over there? Like, you're like you, you, is it nap time for you, Adrian? Almost. <laughs> Almost. Well, let's, uh, let's pray. Let's dive in. We have a lot to get to today. As I said, today we're going to give out prizes in the fear and trembling game. So if you would like to win, you're going to have to be our first caller when we give you the number. You can find the number on our website, too, if you want to call in and uh, hedge your bet. But today we are giving out prizes. So be on standby for that. Are you ready? Let's pray our golden arrow prayer for our Lenten campaign. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. May the most holy, most sacred, most adorable, most incomprehensible and unutterable name of God be always praised, blessed, loved, adored and glorified in heaven, on earth and under the earth, by all the creatures of God and by the sacred heart of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, in the most holy trinity, most holy sacrament of the altar. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. And now your headlines with Rudy Carlos. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired, and here's a good news story. I don't know about you, but I love a good treasure story. Epic Times reports, Scottish researchers uncover relic-like crystal jar with gold inscription from Viking Age treasure hoard. Nearly nine years after a metal detectorist in Scotland first stumbled on the largest hoard of Viking Age treasure ever unearthed in Britain or Ireland, its contents continue to yield new discoveries in the hands of researchers. The Galloway Hoard, found in 2014 by one Derek McLellan from Ayrshire, excuse me, consists of over a hundred gold, silver, crystal, stone, glass, and earthen objects from the Viking Age, a period from around 8800 to 1050. In this trove, consisting of objects from as far away as the Middle East and Central Asia, was found a mysterious clump of wrapped, extremely fragile, and rarely surviving textiles through which could only be partially observed an object made of rock, crystal, and gold. The entire treasure uncovered on a land owned by the Church of Scotland, which is Protestant, by the way, is currently on display at a gallery in Drum Dumfries and Galloway, which features this exciting new reveal. The object was examined with 3D x-ray, allowing researchers to see what it looks like under the wrapping without damaging it. The artifact has since been unwrapped and identified as a rock crystal jar measuring 5 centimeters high and resembling an ornate perfume bottle. It is wrapped in gold 
with a gold inscription on the base which reads, Bishop Egold made me. The, the jar is believed to have belonged to an ecclesiastic. The inscription is in Latin, which was the universal language of the Western Church in those days, said Professor Alex Wolf, senior lecturer at the University of St. Andrews. The sources and records of the period are incomplete, but we know from them what we know from them is that there were several ecclesiastics in the early medieval Northumbria with the name Huigold. He added, We don't know of a Bishop Huigold specifically, but our lists of Northumbrian bishops are incomplete after 810. It is accordingly and frustratingly difficult to be more precise, but it may be well that that we're looking what we're looking at is an otherwise undocumented mid-9th century bishop of either Whithorn or Hexham. Such superior craftsmanship exhibited in this jar opens the possibility that it was made by an ecclesiastic workshop of some kind. The precious materials, too, were highly valued in those days and might have held spiritual significance of some kind. And that's really good news. God love you. The saint of the day is St. Anselm of Lucca, born in Mantua and was educated there in grammar and dialectic. Anselm was a nephew of Anselm of Lucca the Elder, who became Pope Alexander II in 1061, and who designated Anselm to succeed him in his former position. As Bishop of Lucca, I sent him to Germany, advising him to take investiture from Emperor Henry IV. Anselm went to Germany, but was loath to receive the insignia of spiritual power from a temporal ruler, and returned without investiture. Soon he felt remorse that he resigned his bishopric and entered the Benedictine order at Padalorian, a Cluniac monastery near, near Mantua. Gregory VII ordered him to return to Lucca and he reluctantly obeyed but continued to lead the life of a monk. He later accepted the transfer of several castles from Countess Matilda in preparation for Henry's expected campaign. Meanwhile, he attempted to impose stricter monastic discipline upon the canons of his cathedral. Most of the canons refused to submit to their new regulations. Anselm was expelled from Lucca around 1080, and with the help of Emperor Henry and Gilbert, the anti-pope Clement III, after the defeat of the papal defender, the Countess Matilda of Tuscany, at the Battle of Volta Mantovona, Anselm fled first to the shelter of Morona, an Episcopal stronghold only a few miles up the Arno from Luca, and he was accompanied by Bardo, a priest who later would write his Vita or his life, and then retired to Canosa as spiritual guide to Countess Matilda, because through his prayers was obtained the rote of the enemies of Gregory VII. He is represented before an army in confusion. Anselm was well versed in scripture and wrote some important works attacking lay investiture and defending Pope Gregory against anti-Pope Clement III and Emperor Henry IV. He spent his last years assembling a collection of ecclesiastical law canons in 13 books, which formed the earliest of the collections of canons. He supported the Gregorian reforms, which afterwards were incorporated into the well-known reforms of Decretum of the Juris Gratian. The Collectio Canorium was notably revived in Justinian's Novelle, which set the basis for Roman law in the Middle Ages. Anselm died in Mantua on March 18, 1086, and is regarded as the patron saint of the city. Anselm was canonized by Pope Victor III in 1087. Saint Anselm of Lucca, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from John chapter 15, verses 1 through 8. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch of mine that bears no fruit, he takes away. 
and every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already made clean by the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. If a man does not abide in me, he is cast forth as a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you will, and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Ignatius Catholic Commentary said today, Damnation awaits every branch that withers away from Christ and becomes worthless. Let that sink in. Damnation awaits every branch that withers away from Christ and becomes worthless. St. Augustine would say, For then may his words be said to abide in us when we do what he has commanded and love what he has promised. Key word there, isn't it? It's one thing to say, to profess. It's quite another to let that profession impact and affect every aspect of our life. Trust me, I know personally how hard this is. I I can appreciate the difficulty of what our Lord is asking of us, and yet he asks it nonetheless. Augustine goes on to say, So far as we abide in the Savior, we cannot will anything that is foreign to our salvation. We have one will, and so far as we are in Christ, another insofar as we are in this world. Let us choose the world or Jesus. It's that simple. Adrian, what did you find? Yes, uh, Cornelius Lapide said, you will inquire why Christ compared himself to a vine rather than an apple or a nut or some other tree. Well, St. Athanasius and others reply, on account of the many qualities of the vine in which it excels other trees, in which admirably it fits in to be the type of Christ. These are, first, its most abundant fruit, for it is the most fruitful of all plants. To this David refers, thy wife shall be as the fruitful vine. On second, on account of the sweetness of its fruit. Third, on account of wine, which is made from its fruit and which makes the heart glad and which produces many effects which may be likened to the fruits of the coming of Christ. Fourth, because of all plants in comparison with the size of its stem is most widely diffuses its branches by which the extension of the church is signified And it is said in Psalm 80, she spreads out her branches unto the sea, and she bows unto the river. Fifth, the vine has sweet-smelling flowers and very broad leaves with which it gives shade to other plants. Now the leaves of Christ are the external graces of preaching and conversing. Sixth, the wine from old vines is best, and the wine from those more recently planted is the most abundant. Some vines live for more than 200 years and then have the flower, the flavor of wild honey. Seventh, no tree has more durable wood than the vine. And lastly, vines need very assiduous culture. It is necessary to dig, to plant, to drain, to manure, to prune. Thus too does the church or a holy soul, which is grafted into Christ the vine, requires a great and constant care. I wanted to read all this to you because here 
Cornelius Lapide gives, and through St. Athanasius and others, gives a great view of who we are as the church, as the church as an institution, and the church as you and I, the faithful, the, uh, the census fidelium, the sense of the faithful, and that we are this, these, these uh, vines that are attached to Christ, the vine, and that we have to bear good fruit. We have to bring about the graces of preaching, of conversing, of conversion, of the necessary works to plant, to drain, to manure, to prune, and all this. So let's meditate on this today as we go about our day. Let us be the fruitful uh, fruit that comes from the vine. Amen. Praise be to God. It's time to go to break and come back and play our game show, Fear and Trembling. The Catholic Trivia Game Show, where we have uh, secrets and agendas, and we'll tell you all about that after this very, very short break. Praise be to Jesus. But also, prizes are at stake, and today we're going to give out prizes to include brand new crucifix metal bracelets and uh, the replica of the coffee cup of Divine Providence, and who knows what else more. We'll have to ask Rudy on the other side of the break, so don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. That phone number is 877-757-9424. Call now, 877-757-9424. Be right back. Are there any basic rules for doing apologetics? 1 Peter 3.15 says, Always be prepared to make a defense. Always be prepared, Scripture tells us. How can we always be prepared to make a defense of our faith? Rule number one, pray. Pray to the Holy Spirit that He give you the courage to share your faith and the wisdom to choose your words carefully and profitably. Rule number two, you don't have to know everything right now. Learn a little bit more about your faith each and every day. Read scripture, read the catechism, listen to apologetics tapes, listen to Catholic radio, learn a little bit at a time. Rule number three, Luke 5 verse 10, do not be afraid, henceforth you will be catching men. Jesus said this to Peter, but he's also saying it to us. Will you make mistakes and get into tight spots when you start sharing your faith with others? Yes, of course you will. But Peter made mistakes and he got into tight spots. Yet Jesus told Peter not to be afraid. Why? Because if we are sincere in our desire to share the truth with others, to share Jesus Christ with others, then Jesus will find a way to make good come from even our mistakes. Rule number four, always view a question about your faith or even an attack on your faith as an opportunity, an opportunity to share the truth. Rule number five, don't get frustrated. Catholics often get frustrated by what I call the doctrinal dance. You get asked about purgatory, Mary, the Pope, sacraments, all in rapid fire succession. Before you can answer one question, you're asked another, then another. Just keep bringing the discussion back to one topic until you've said all you want to say, then move on. Rule number six, never be afraid to say, I don't know, when asked a question about your faith. Don't try to wing it. However, always follow I don't know with, but I will find out and get back to you and make sure you do. A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. (laughs) The Catholic trivia game show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time and Fear and Trembling. The Catholic Trivia Game Show, where we have a secret and hidden agenda. So you're not allowed to tell anybody what I'm about to share with you. Deal? 
All right, number one, we like to teach the faith, so we look for teachable moments in the questions where you might learn something you did not know before. Praise be to God. Just think about the bragging rights. And then number two, we like to have a laugh. We like to have a good time, and our callers are truly the most amazing. They laugh with us. They joke. We have, we, we love it. It's a good time. Praise be to God. And then, of course, we give out prizes, which kind of makes it a winner for everybody involved, right? So that's the deal. But here's the kicker. We do have three Catholic trivia questions, but I won't be asking the caller these questions. Mm-mm. Instead of asking them, I will ask Rudy and I will ask Adrian, one of which will be correct. The other will be incorrect. The caller will then have 15 seconds on the clock to make a decision. Whomst do they trust more, Rudy or Adrian? And then every correct answer goes into the coffee cup, the authentic and original coffee cup of Divine Providence to win this week's prize. Rudy, what could they win? Our coffee cup of Divine Providence was unearthed just (laughs) recently in 2014 out of the Viking Horde of Treasure. Was it? It was. That's amazing. And you can win a replica of the Coffee Cup of Divine Providence. Of course, we're going to Authentic autograph and certified? It. Certified. Yeah. Bonafide. Yeah. yeah. We, 100%. Should, we have a certificate of authentic- authentication? Of course. Yeah. You have to, right? <laughs> well- It's on a sticky note. <laughs> we, we recently discovered a dubious plot, very dubious what? indeed, to counterfeit <gasps> the Coffee Cup of Divine Providence. You're so kidding. instead of destroying this giant hoard of these coffee cups, we're going to give one out to one of you lucky listeners today. And uh, you're going to be so alert- you're going to look to the left. What? You're going to look to the right. Yeah. As you sip from your trusty CDT mug. Not you, Joe. You can't I know. have any coffee. It's lead. I'm not allowed. Don't even think you about it. You can have a mug, though. You can have the mug. Be drink some water out of that. <laughs> so we're going to throw in some extra goodies for you today. As as we mentioned, uh, our good friend of the show, Jesus Robles, yes. helped us co-host uh, this this past week. He has included a, a bracelet, a very beautiful bracelet with a crucifix on yes. it. So we'll yes. be giving that out as well. Yeah, it looks like if you're if you're watching on the live stream, uh, you can see my wrist there. That, that's what it looks like. But it's a big, beautiful metal crucifix, and uh, I wear it all the time. It doesn't turn green on you. It's fantastic. Yeah, look down at your wrist. And, yeah. Think about our blessed Lord All crucified right. there. Incredible. Okay. Plus, we're going to give out the Pray DVD of Father Patrick Payton mm-hmm. as well. We'll sweeten the pot. It'll be a gift kit. It'll be like a whole thing. So we're looking forward to it. Let's jump on the phones. Praise be to God. There's a bunch of people who called in. Thank you for trying. If you don't get in today, call back Monday. There'll be new prizes at stake. But let's go to Antonio. Good morning to you, sir. How are you, sir? Good morning, sir. Praise be to God. I am well. How are you? Pretty good, sir. I'm actually at work looking at the... <laughs> You at YouTube. Oh, <laughs> great. Well, it's good to be on with you. Praise Jesus. Now, where are you from, uh, Antonio? I'm from Pearland. Pearland, Texas. We know that area very well. Do where you do go you... to St. Helens? I do, and I go to Coca Field in downtown. Very nice. nice. Praise Jesus. That's well, where I went to school, with St. Helens Catholic School in Pearland, Texas. Oh, that's where my daughter went to. Oh, praise be to God. Wonderful. Now, we appreciate you being on with us. Uh, are you? You must be familiar with the rules. You know how this game works, then, sir. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. I know. I feel that every time I have to go. Ah, oh, the trickiness of Rudy and Adrian. Uh, but don't worry, Antonio. Oh, okay. I am here <laughs> yeah. to help you. I'm on your side. It's me and you against them. Are you ready? I'm ready. Praise be to Yeah. See the hesitancy there. Okay. Uh, as is our tradition, our patrimony, our uh, custom here. We we will start with Rudy. Good morning, to you, Rudy. Good morning, Joe. Hey, it's been a few days. Uh, are you ready? I am ready. What's the bell? was quick. I'm so early. ready. He already won. It's presumptuous. <laughs> are you sure? I'm pretty sure. Uh, uh-huh. Are, are you sure? 
Uh, yeah, I think so. Okay. Okay. Well, let's start with the hardest question of all three today. Okay. Uh, can you tell me how many days indulgence did we use to earn for making the sign of the cross without holy water? Just making the old sign of the cross. How many days indulgence did we rack up? The good old sign of the cross. Mm -hmm. Well, it used to be that you would get 40 quarantines off. 40? 40. Quarantines? Yeah, 40 quarantines. Whew. Are you sure? Yeah. Okay. Mm. Imagine that. Uh, I'd be doing that every every minute. Let's get a second opinion. Adrian, can you tell me? Yes, I can tell you. Praise be to God. How many days (laughs) indulgence did we used to earn for making the sign of the cross without holy water, mind you? Without holy water. Without it. Okay. With holy water would be more. Much more. Right. Okay. So that would be 100 days indulgence. 100 days indulgence. That's correct. Whew. Sounds like a chocolate bar. Just for making the <laughs> sign of the cross? Just for making the sign of the cross. Amazing. That's pretty amazing. All right, well. Not anymore, though. Antonio, my friend, uh, it's tricky business oh. here. You got to choose between oh. either Adrian and his 100 days indulgence or Rudy and his 40 quarantines off. Sounds like, I don't know. But at any rate, you got to choose 15 seconds on the clock. Who was right? Who was wrong? Antonio, what say you? Okay, I'm going to choose with my eyes closed. <laughs> Adrian. <laughs> That's a brilliant so choice. Hey, when in doubt. I mean, if you have to admit Adrian's correct, doing it with your eyes closed is probably appropriate. I when would say. in doubt, go with Adrian, I say. <laughs> well done. You're, you're in the cup. You could win. Thank you. God is so very good. Uh, but the next question, let's just see. I think this is super straightforward. I think you got this one, Antonio. We're going to go with Adrian. Adrian. Good morning. Uh, good morning. You got my name. I, I am practicing. I've been rehearsing. I've been doing two a days for the last <laughs> okay. three days okay. just to get ready for the big game. All right, Adrian, can you tell me, is St. John the author of any of the New Testament epistles? Oh, is St. John? Yes. The author of any of the epistles? Yes, sir. Any of them? Any of them. Okay. Well... According to modern scripture scholars, according mm. to the historical critical mm. method of mm. studying scripture, mm. um, there are letters that were attributed to St. John, but St. John did not, in fact, write them. No, what? No, he did not. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. All right. So you're saying your answer is no. You're right. Okay. Huh. Um, hey, Rudy, can you tell me, is St. John the apostle, stood at the foot of the cross, is he the author of any of the epistles in the New Testament? Oh, yeah, of course he is. Where where are you getting your information from, sir? The university system. (laughs) Well, that makes a lot of sense. Ouch. Yes, he is an author. Okay, so your your answer is yes. Yes, sir. Okay, well, Antonio, you got choices, sir. The question is, I mean, we know he he wrote the gospel, uh, but did he write the epistles is the question. Uh, Rudy says yes. Yeah, praise be to God. And uh, Adrian says no. He says no, absolutely not. So, uh, 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Antonio, what say you? Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Do I have to close my eyes with Rudy? Uh, I don't think so. You can go wide wide open as far as I'm concerned. Uh, Rudy? Adrian? Go the other way! Go the other way! Go the other way! (laughs) 
Ruby. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> oh, you got it. You were on you it. You gotta stop closing your eyes, Antonio. What? You should have trusted your instincts. <laughs> Curveball to the low right corner, swing and a miss. I'm oh, sorry, man. Antonio, but in fact, oh. yes, St. John, despite the historical critical <laughs> theologians, uh, is attributed. In fact, there's great evidence to suggest wrote the epistles themselves. Attributed to his name. Praise be to Jesus. All right. Don't fear. You're in one. I think we can get you in there, too. I really feel like this one's straightforward. We're going to go back to Rudy. Rudy, can you tell me? Uh Uh-oh. Uh-huh. What is the climax of the first part or the first half of the Holy Mass? The climax of the first half of the Mass? Yes, sir. It's obviously mm-hmm. at the homily where Father does his comedy routine. <laughs> it just kind of completely takes you out of the mass. I think that's the. Uh, or he gets the puppet out and does the puppet thing. Or the guitar. He does yeah. benediction with the guitar. You like that part? Yeah, that would be hilarious. Okay, but that you're saying that's the, the climax, climax of the first half. First half of the Holy Mass. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. Uh, Adrian, Joe, <laughs> it's Friday. Can you tell me what is the climax? Of the first half of the Holy Mass. What is a climax of the first half of the Holy Mass? Yes, yes that would be mm-hmm. the gospel. The gospel. Wow. Wow. Okay. Well, there you go. <laughs> 15 seconds. You got to choose. Is it the gospel with Adrian or is it the, uh, the the homily with Rudy? 15 seconds on the clock. Antonio, what say you, sir? I will say the gospel. Yep. Well played. Well Praise played. God. You can fool the man once, but you can't fool him twice. Congratulations, Antonio. You're All in for right. two. Now, how many, we get, do we have a lot of people in the cup right now, Rudy? No, just three people in the cup. You could really win, might Antonio. Might be you, Antonio. It might be. We can't promise Let's that. Let's take a look here. God's providence and holy Th- will be done. 30 seconds to shuffle? Okay, 30 seconds. Take your time. Let's do really it right. Let's really draw it out here. We'll Let's see. really draw Okay, no I have pressure. one in my hand. Should I drop it and put no. another one up? No. no. Okay, okay. One here it is. Patrick Sonia. Patrick, Patrick Sonia. Let's go. Antonio, I'm sorry, my friend. It wasn't God's holy will. But don't worry. Try again in a month from now. and Who knows? It might happen. God love you, Antonio. Thank you for being a, a listener and hanging out with us and having a laugh. We appreciate that. Thank you. God love God you, man. Antonio. Have a great day. Pearland, Texas. Praise be to Jesus. Uh, that's going to do it for our week. We're very grateful for you hanging out with us this week and having great conversations. Join us in the after show if you can. God love you. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. The Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. Welcome to the Holy Mass at Our Lady of Corpus Christi Chapel. Today we celebrate the commemoration of St. Cyril of Jerusalem. The intention for today's Mass is for all of our online viewers and for those joining us through Guadalupe Radio. 
There's a wideness in God's mercy, like the wideness of the sea. There's a kindness in God's justice, which is more than liberty. There is plentiful redemption in the blood that has been shed. There is joy for all the members in the sorrows of the head. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you always. And with your spirit. Brothers and sisters, let us call to mind our sins, and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to Almighty God, and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done, in what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore I ask, Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and to you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Let us pray. O God, who through the Bishop St. Cyril of Jerusalem led your church in a wonderful way to a deeper sense of the mysteries of salvation, grant us through his intercession that we may so acknowledge your Son as to have life ever more abundantly. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the book of Genesis. Israel loved Joseph best of all his sons, for he was a child of his old age, and he had made him a long tunic. When his brothers saw that their father loved him best of all his sons, they hated him so much that they would not even greet him. One day, when his brothers had gone to pasture their father's flocks at Shechem, Israel said to Joseph, your brothers, you know, are tending our flocks at Shechem. Get ready, I will send you to them. So Joseph went after his brothers and caught up with them in Dothan. They noticed him at a distance, and before he came up to them, they plotted to kill him. They said to one another, Here comes that master dreamer. Come on, let us kill him and throw him into one of the cisterns here. We could say that a wild beast devoured him. We shall then see what comes of his dreams. When Reuben heard this, he tried to save him from their hands, saying, 
We must not take his life. Instead of shedding blood, he continued, just throw him into that cistern there in the desert, but do not kill him outright. His purpose was to rescue him from their hands and return him to his father. So when Joseph came up to them, they stripped him of the long tunic he had on. Then they took him and threw him into the cistern, which was empty and dry. They then sat down to their meal. <coughs> Looking up, they saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead, their camels laden with gum, balm, and resin, to be taken down to Egypt. Judah said to his brothers, What is to be gained by killing our brother and concealing his blood? Rather, let us sell him to these Ishmaelites instead of doing away with him ourselves. After all, he is our brother, our own flesh. His brothers agreed. They sold Joseph to the Ishmaelites for 20 pieces of silver. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Remember the marvels the Lord has done. Remember the marvels the Lord has done. When the Lord called down a famine on the land and ruined the crop that sustained them, he sent a man before them, Joseph, sold as a slave. Remember the marvels the Lord has done. They had weighed him down with fetters, and he was bound with chains till his prediction came to pass, and the word of the Lord proved him true. Remember the marvels the Lord has done. The king sent and released him. The ruler of the people set him free. He made him lord of his house and ruler of all his possessions. Remember the marvels the Lord has done. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ, King of endless glory. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ, King of endless glory. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, so that everyone who believes in him might have eternal life. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ, King of endless glory. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said to the chief priests and the elders of the people, Hear another parable. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard, put a hedge around it, dug a wine press in it, and built a tower. Then he leased it to tenants and went on a journey. When vintage time drew near, he sent his servants to the tenants to obtain his produce. But the tenants seized the servants, and one they beat, another they killed, and a third they stoned. Again he sent other servants, more numerous than the first ones but they treated them in the same way. Finally, he sent his son to them, thinking, They will respect my son. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to one another, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him and acquire his inheritance. They seized him, threw him out of the vineyard, and killed him. What will the owner of the vineyard do to those tenants when he comes? They answered him, He will put those wretched men to a wretched death. 
and lease his vineyard to other tenants who will give him the produce at the proper times. Jesus said to them, Did you never read in the scriptures, The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone? By the Lord has this been done, and it is wonderful in our eyes. Therefore I say to you, The kingdom of God will be taken away from you, and given to a people that will produce its fruit. When the chief priests and the Pharisees heard his parables, they knew that he was speaking about them. And although they were attempting to arrest him, they feared the crowds, for they regarded him as a prophet. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Today's first reading we hear the story of Joseph and his brothers, and the brothers ultimately resent Joseph because he is favored by their father. Joseph is the youngest one, he's the special one, and the father sees him as a very special gift from God that he has received, and the older brothers resent it, and so they go ahead and they plot against Joseph, but in doing so, they really are plotting against their father's will. In today's gospel, we see a parable that Jesus gives, which really kind of outlines the history of salvation. Namely, God is the owner of the vineyard. In other words, all of creation was created by God. All of the world ultimately belongs to him. And the prophets who were sent in the Old Testament to deliver messages from God to the people, uh, those are the ones who in the story are coming to collect the produce from the tenants of the land. They ultimately were rejected, beaten, and cast away. And then, of course, finally we recognize that when the landowner sends his son to them to collect the produce and he is killed, we instantly recognize that this is a reference to Jesus himself, the eternal Son of God who took on human flesh, who came to give the message of salvation and deliver salvation, and ultimately was rejected by his own and sent to the cross. The parable that we hear today is a stark reminder to us that ultimately we are given stewardship over creation and we are called to produce fruit from the stewardship that we ultimately have. And I think probably most poignant or most important for us to reflect on is even with respect to our own life, we can take on the question to say, am I the owner of my life, or am I the steward of my life, which I have received as a gift from God? I think probably for most of us, it's very easy to operate on a day-to-day -day level to think of ourselves as being owners of our own life. Uh, it's my time. I do what I want to do. I have my own goals that I'm about to accomplish. As opposed to taking the approach to say, even my very life, Yes, I have particular control over it. I have free will over it, which has been granted to me by God. But ultimately, my very life is a gift that I have received from God, and I am as much a tenant of it as I am an owner. In other words, I have to be responsible even for my time, for the decisions that I make, and I have to make the fundamental decision, is my life going to be about fulfilling God's will and his plan for my life, or is it going to be about making up my own aspirations, plans, and dreams? And today's parable reminds us that 
we are called to see ourselves as stewards even over our own life and to say how is it that I can accomplish God's will in my life the other reality from today's gospel that we come across is that we really see in the end kind of the injustice of the tenants it really makes no sense for them to think that the produce of the land belongs to them it makes even less sense for them to be beating the servants who were sent on the owner's behalf and still less sense to have killed the son when he is sent to them in other words it is completely irrational and preposterous that they take on a role which clearly does not belong to them they behave in such a way which is completely unbecoming of the situation and that too for us is a reminder that every decision to sin or to rebel against God that sin ultimately is an irrational act in and of itself because it goes against our own good it goes against our own final end in life which is communion with God and therefore sin is really akin to a kind of shooting oneself in the foot or causing oneself self-harm because it ultimately takes us away from what our proper end in life is and therefore in this season of Lent we are reminded once again to take the necessary steps in our life to always strive to root out sin and to take the necessary measures to be successful in that endeavor and so today my brothers and sisters as we go forward let us ask God for the grace that we would always view our own life and our own time as really being in the hands of our Heavenly Father that we would always strive to achieve his will and his purpose in our own life and let us ask God for the grace that we would always strive to root out sin in our life. Amen. We should pour forth prayers at all times, dear brothers and sisters. But above all, in these days of Lent, we ought to watch more intently with Christ and direct our petitions more fervently to God. For the whole Christian people, that in this sacred time they may be more abundantly nourished by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For the whole world, that in lasting tranquility and peace, our days may truly become the acceptable time of grace and salvation. We pray especially for peace in the Ukraine. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer for sinners and the neglectful, that in this time of reconciliation they may return to Christ. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For ourselves, for all those joining us online and through radio, that God may at last stir up in our hearts aversion for our sins. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. And we pray for the repose of the soul of Frank Moscone. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer and for those intentions that we hold in our heart. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. Grant, we pray, O Lord, that your people may turn to you with all their heart, so that whatever they dare to ask in fitting prayer, they may receive by your mercy through Christ our Lord. Amen. Were you there when they crucified my Lord? Were you there when they crucified my Lord? 
Sisters, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. May the Lord accept the sacrifice of your hands for the praise and glory of his name, for our good and the good of all his holy church. May your merciful grace prepare your servants, O God, for the worthy celebration of these mysteries, and lead them to it by a devout way of life, through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you and with your spirit lift up your hearts we lift them up to the lord let us give thanks to the lord our god it is right and just it is truly right and just our duty and our salvation always and everywhere to give you thanks Lord, Holy Father, almighty and eternal God, for you have given your children a sacred time for the renewing and purifying of their hearts, that freed from disordered affections, they may so deal with the things of this passing world as to hold rather to the things that eternally endure. And so with all the angels and saints, we praise you as without end we acclaim. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabaot, Plenis Uncheli et Terra, Gloria Tua. Hosanna in excelsis, benedictus, qui venit in nomine domini. Hosanna in excelsis. You are indeed holy, O Lord, the fount of all holiness. Make holy, therefore, these gifts we pray, by sending down your Spirit upon them like the dewfall so that they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. At the time he was betrayed and entered willingly into his passion, he took bread and giving thanks broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice and once more giving thanks, he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, 
For this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. The mystery of faith. We proclaim your death, O Lord, and profess your resurrection until you come again. Therefore, as we celebrate the memorial of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Lord, the bread of life and the chalice of salvation, giving thanks that you've held us worthy to be in your presence and minister to you. Humbly we pray that, partaking of the body and blood of Christ, we may be gathered into one by the Holy Spirit. Remember, Lord, your church spread throughout the world, and bring her to the fullness of charity, together with Francis, our Pope, and Michael, our bishop, and all the clergy. Remember your servant Frank, whom you have called from this world to yourself. Grant that he who was united with your son in a death like his may also be one with him in his resurrection. Remember also our brothers and sisters who have fallen asleep in the hope of the resurrection, and all who have died in your mercy. Welcome them into the light of your face. Have mercy on us all, we pray, that with the blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, with blessed Joseph, her spouse, with the blessed apostles and all the saints who have pleased you throughout the ages, we may merit to be co-heirs to eternal life and may praise and glorify you through your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him and with him and in him, O God Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. At the Savior's command, and formed by divine teaching, we dare to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church, and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always. And with your spirit. Let us offer each other the sign of peace. peace. On you stay, qui tollis peccatamundi, miserere nobis. On you stay, qui tollis peccatamundi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, qui tollis peccatamundi, 
Dona nobis pacem. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word and my soul shall be healed. spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there, and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Let all mortal flesh keep silence and with fear and trembling stand. Ponder nothing earthly minded, for with blessing in his hand, Christ our God to earth descending, our full homage to demand. King of kings yet born of Mary, as of old on earth he stood, Lord of lords in human vesture, in the body and the blood, he will give to all the faithful his own self for heavenly food. Let us pray. Having received this pledge of eternal salvation, we pray, O Lord, that we may set our course so well as to attain the redemption you promised through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace. Thanks be to God. Our Lady of the Most Holy Trinity, Most Holy, Immaculate Virgin Mary, you are the Mother of God Himself. You are the Queen of all creation. You are the Keeper of Heaven's treasure. You are our help and proof. The prayer to St. Michael. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. 
be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world seeking the ruins of souls. Amen. Prayer of Deliverance Almighty God and Father, we beg thee through the intercession and help of the archangels St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Celebrating the culture of life. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Production.